we sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother. Good evening. Good evening, happy Sunday, and welcome to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design. In addition, this week, to the American Society of Interior Design, I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your Sunday early evening with some booze and interior design conversation. Tonight, we're exploring commercial interior design. My guest is Stephanie Eaton, principal at... And I love this name, as everyone does, Pure Alchemy Design. Stephanie, welcome to Drink in the Style. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled. We are going to have a lot of fun because we are going to just kick that name around uh, uh, quite a bit. Stephanie, I should point out, has a slew of accolades ranging from ASID Design Merit Awards in 2015, 2016, 2017 to Best artisan Mater- Use of Artisan Material. Uh, from the National Kitchen and Bath Association. She's also earned the spot of the title of Hippest Spot in the North Loop Commercial Spaces Tour. That makes you legally the hippest of the hip in Minneapolis for that project. Are you proud of it? Very much so. That's uh, uh, it's it's totally awesome. We're going to jump into uh, into that and talk about the spaces that you have created as well. Our Master of Spirits. Our Moe's, I've decided to call you. Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> You're not going with Moe's? I'll tell you why later. <laughs> All right. I guess we will have Dan Newkirk as our master of spirits. First, you take away mixologist. Now I can't call you a Moe's. Hey, it's 2019. You can't really say much anymore. So <laughs> this is absolutely true. Dan, what alchemy will you create tonight? Uh, so today we're going to be doing a uh, classic Mai Tai, um, house-made orjat, which is a almond uh, syrup. Um, it's going to be white rum, dark rum, uh, a little bit of orange liqueur, lime, uh, love, Jamaican Amon bitters, Angostura bitters. And then we're going to finish it off with a, uh, a Chinese five-spice cured egg yolk. It's going to get weird. Seriously, man, you are just pulling out all the stops for the chemist. You are trying to amaze her with your own skills, aren't you? Well, you you did this in the text message last night saying that (laughs) no no pressure, but we got a general badass coming on the air. (laughs) Yeah, that was about the size of it. No question. All right, so you're going to start putting this together. Brett, can you hit us with our mixing music? Beautiful. Dan, take us away. He's mixing up the, uh, he's got a shaker, he's filling a glass with ice, bit by bit. When crushed ice. Crushed ice. And the thinking behind the crushed ice is? Uh, it just looks nicer. Okay. And the, the egg yolk um, doesn't stick to it as nastily as like the uh, as big rocks. It, it blends in because you get a lot of umami uh, as it melts in the liquid. And the egg yolk. So, I mean, I've used egg whites in different cocktails. They're, it creates a great, it's a great emulsifier. That's it gives a little play. bit of froth. I've been in his child's play, I suppose. Stephanie, when you mix cocktails, do you tend to uh, use your chemistry degree? I'd like to say yes, but I usually just open a glass or a bottle of wine. (laughs) I I think that's physics. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you're mixing it up. We are going to shake this rather than stir it. I mean, I'm doing a dry shake just to get everything all coagulated together. Oh, interesting. A dry shake, for those who cannot see it, means essentially no ice, and you are just blending the ingredients without cooking it. So it's going to be uh, three-quarter three quarter ounce of uh, white rum, three-quarter ounce rum, uh, dark rum, 
three quarter ounce lime, a third ounce of orgeat, a half ounce of orange liqueur, one dash of Jamaican number one bitters. I'm gonna do an Angostura float with my cured egg yolk topper. Wow, that is insane. This is a, all right, I, I, for folks who have checked out the Drink in the Style website, I will admit we are a little behind on posting uh, the latest episodes, and we have not been that great at adding the uh, ingredients of each cocktail. But we're going to make a commitment right here, right now, that we're going to get the thing updated very, very soon, and we're going to include the ingredients and the directions for making the cocktail. Right, Newkirk? Did we? Oh, okay, all right. I <laughs> just put you on the spot. It did. All right. So a Mai Tai, by the way, is a Polynesian cocktail uh, uh, initially that had a heyday in the 60s, had a little bit of a revival in the, uh, in the 90s, as I recall, and is now pushing its way back into the forefront. And as we say farewell to summer, it's a nice, warm-weather cocktail to, uh, to do. Dang it, Greg, I told you to have your phone ready. Oh, shoot. All right, hang on. Got my phone. Got my phone. We're going to need a... I wondered why I had to get the phone ready. Are we taking pictures? Uh, just with with, uh, with our guest holding the drink. Excellent. <laughs> You've got an eyedropper now that you are adding the uh, coloration to the uh, the drink. So it's a yellow Mai Tai. Is that? And that is the egg. And now you are grating egg, hard-boiled egg. Nope. Yolk. Cured. Cured egg. What's the difference? Uh, Forty process. I cure it with salt and sugar blend uh, with the uh, Chinese five spice uh, mixed into the batter. So you've been preparing this for five days, even though I only mentioned it yesterday. I think there are holes in your story. Prove it. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> All right. That looks absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to try this uh, cocktail. Brad, you're going to have to wait, but we're not going to go in between uh, segments. So everyone, salute. Cheers. Is there a particular name that we uh, sorry, are going with other than a Mai Tai of Uber? No, Mai Tai will work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could drink six of those. Hey, there's the sixth number again. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Awesome. Stephanie, again, I don't want to pound the chemistry thing too much, but I love the chemistry thing, so we're going to keep pounding a little bit. When you have a cocktail as a chemist, are you dissecting the ingredients in any way? Are you, are you inherently kind of deconstructing something like that? I guess I do to a degree. I kind of de- self-determine what's in there, and then I go double-check and see what was actually on the list. So have a quick step. Tell me what your favorite two flavors are <laughs> in that uh, in that cocktail. She's thinking. She's considering it. She's deconstructing. She's going <laughs> to say ice and rum. No. <laughs> I taste like a citrus that I really enjoy. Lime is nice. The lime is... It really brings it alive. Yeah, no, this is absolutely amazing. Now, would you generally – so when you've – what is it that you dropped over the top? Uh, Angostura bitters. Okay. So you've got the bitters. Now, the assumption being that you want to – because it's floating on top, it's infused into the ice. Most times you go to a bar, I'm sure they put out a little tiny straw on this. People go to the straw. They start drinking from the bottom. Terrible mistake. Should we be drinking directly from the top? Drink it the way it's uh, presented to you. Mm. Because every, every sip, you'll get a little bit of Angostura, and everything else will kind of filter in. And uh, halfway through the drink, when the umami kicks in from the egg yolk, mm-hmm. beautiful. I can't wait. I mean, it's great as we start out. But it's one of the big questions. It's like um, with Bloody Marys. Whenever you get served, often when you get served a Bloody Mary, it comes with a straw. And I see everybody go straight to the straw, but it makes no sense because you've rimmed the glass 
in most cases. So you're completely bypassing the, the process of what the cocktail is. Well, now that we're going there, we'll have to do a Bloody Mary session because I'm anti-Bloody Mary having uh, rimmed. Really? Why? Because uh, the, the salinity belongs inside the, the drink. Well, that's a fair point, but it's like a it's just, it's just a, 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 a like a cascade, a, a, a little carry on through yeah. the cocktail. You know what, Greg? We're just going to fix that in a couple shows. All right, there it is. There's a teaser. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Stephanie Eaton from Pure Alchemy Design. Stick with us. To right the unrightable wrong. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. Habitation Furnishing and Design is simply the best furniture design studio in the Twin Cities. What is a furniture design studio? It's a place where you'll find professional interior designers who are there to help you select the perfect furniture. A single sofa or an entire home. Our designers love making spaces exceptional. When you're shopping for furniture, it makes sense to talk to a professional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft Welcome back and to Drink in the Style, a one-hour conversation about art, architecture, design, anything aesthetic, and this is an ASID episode, a chance for us to explore the ASID vision statement, Design Impacts Lives, and to talk to an ASID member designer. This week, our designer is Stephanie Eaton, the uh, owner of Pure Alchemy Design. Again, we've already fawned over the name. We love the name. We're going to beat the crap out of the name because of the alchemy aspect. Tell us what Pure Alchemy blah, Pure Alchemy is all about. The name itself or my firm? Both. 
Oh, there was the high voice again. There it was. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Stephanie. All right. (laughs) Um, Pure Alchemy Design. Well, first off, the name came from, um, I have a background in chemistry, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to kind of pay an homage to that as it really influences the way that I think. Um, But it was really more about than the transformation of a space. Oh, I like that aspect. Right. So in came the word alchemy. Mm-hmm. Out of chemistry, because I'm transforming a space. From, from lead to gold in many cases, are. I'm sure. Visually, yes, actually. And the pure aspect of it came from the fact that I'm very focused on sustainable design. Which so is it fabulous. really tells the story of uh, the focus of my firm. Pure transformation is the nature of the name. Yes. And what you do. Correct. Fabulous. So wow, well be, thought Being out. based in the North Loop, you kind of have your work cut out for you because uh, with, with the way they, they kind of blast up those those buildings, kind of ticky-tacky, you can walk into pretty much just any unit and make it better. <laughs> with all due humility. So just a lot of these places are built so fast where you're doing sustainable, nice transformations. I mean, you, you have affluent people in that neighborhood that can afford your services. And, of course, you can walk into any of those places as they were built. No, nobody really has the high-end finishes anymore with these buildings going up so fast. Well, quite honestly, I'm I'm typically uh, working with buildings that are kind of tired and have been around for a while. Exactly. Or have a fantastic historic element to them, but they really need some energy um, infused into the space to make it feel like a good place to work. Right. It's one of the nice things about uh, about what you're doing, and part of why the North Loop, I think, in that area is as popular as it is. And I know you do work all over the Twin Cities. Don't worry. So we're not going to focus too much on that, but, um, you know, Minneapolis in, you know, the 70s and 80s tore down so many beautiful buildings, just completely sterilized its architecture uh, at one point that people in Minneapolis, I think, have gravitated towards the North Loop and Northeast and all that area because it's still authentic. It's what they hadn't quite gotten to because they didn't think it was worth, you know, destroying. And now you can actually apply your skills and create that kind of soulful, sustainable type of an environment, right? Correct. Yes. And in mm-hmm. fact, some of the newer buildings, they're kind of trying to borrow some of that historic feel mm-hmm. and infuse that into their space. Well, yeah. one, of the, one of the best things is when you tear down some drywall and all of a sudden you get that like beautiful original exposed brick. Mm-hmm. Uh, brick, brick just screams sex appeal. Like brick, <laughs> brick is where it's at. It really is, especially especially like in the the bachelor the bachelor pad kind of way, like pool table, brick wall. Agreed, completely. And yeah. you know what? And you can't you cannot uh, uh, substitute for the authenticity of brick. I had a, a thing, you know, in the seventies. Artificial wood was everywhere. Remember, we would... The paneling? The paneling. <laughs> and then fake brick that was everywhere as well. And for a while, and I remember when it came out, you'd look at it and you'd think, oh, that's so cool. That's making it feel like, like you know, like it's been here for a long time and it's authentic. And then somehow, over time, it starts to look fake. And my theory on that is that your eye becomes attuned to picking out the different aspects that are inauthentic. You focus in on it. And then what initially appears as a reasonable facsimile of something real suddenly becomes a horrible, kitschy, fake, faux brick wall. Do you think that makes sense? Absolutely. I think it's the homogenous factor there mm-hmm. where it's too consistent throughout. You're looking for something that has characters, some imperfection, because that's what where the beauty lies. I love imperfection. Absolutely. 
It's true. It's actually true. Now, you do primarily uh, commercial spaces, of course, as we were saying. Yes, correct. And is that in any particular industry, or do you go across industries? I go across industries, but I do heavily focus on workspaces. Okay. Okay. And um, when you're doing that, uh, are you involved in, like, full life cycle development of projects? Are you doing FF&E? Are you doing, doing architectural front-end work, consulting with them? Yes, completely, you know, from infancy to completion, and it really is very dependent on the specific projects themselves. Um, from design, mm -hmm. I will actually reconfigure a space. I have a team I work with, so I pull in specific specialists to help me get the job done, but I've got architects on my team, contractors on my team, so really from beginning to end. So someone comes to you, they learn about pure alchemy, uh, which again, you know, wonderful, wonderful work that you guys have done. So I'm sure, you know, you've got lots and lots of happy clients out there and I've seen many of the projects you've done. They're beautiful. Thank you. Um, so people will come to you, they say, we have, you know, 8,000 square feet in a building in Maple Grove. We're just getting started. This is the time to pull pure alchemy in for maximum results and the best possible outcome. At what point should they pull me in? Is that mm -hmm. what you're saying? Uh, at, at the earliest possible, I've actually gone with numerous clients to find the right space for their business. Really? Yes. As a consulting type of add-on? Yes, a, yes. Oh, so we can really, I can get to know, I get to know my clients very well so that I can really match their brand the way they want to work. And then we'll find a space that works best for them and then use what's there to make it theirs. That is complete full life cycle involvement. That's fabulous. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> when you approach when you approach a project, now obviously the majority of folks that we've had on the show are residential focused. Habitation does residential and commercial as well, so we're playing in the same space a little bit mm -hmm. um, overall. But what would you say are the fundamental differences that you have to consider between residential and commercial design? Well, for me, it's really about creating an environment when you're working in a commercial space. You're, you're creating a new experience that is not something that you'll ever see in a residential mm -hmm. spectrum. Mm -hmm. What about the, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've always kind of liked and, and seen increasingly be the case is almost a transferal of commercial space into residential, people actually taking their homes and using more commercial aspects. Have you noticed this trend at all? Absolutely. That warmth factor is mm -hmm. kind of a use of warmer tones, not things that are overly matchy that you tend to see in some office spaces where every lounge chair is matching the other ones. It's mm -hmm. kind of that we work effect too. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, again, it's 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 you know it, they're trying to create something unique, but then they create it again and again and again and again, and suddenly the unique becomes ticky homogenized. Ticky tacky. Yeah, ticky tacky. So let me ask you a question. Uh, let's mix it up a little bit. Uh -huh. uh -oh. So no, there's no. <laughs> so so after Brett, you, your finger on the button. After you get done with the project, okay. Yep. Um, what what do you with, with the person you're doing with? What do you drink when you're fini when you're completing a project? Tequila. <laughs> I think I just, I think I just, uh, all right. No, it's not there. Uh, now we're bonding. Now we're bonding. <laughs> to quote Jose Cuervo, every day is National Tequila Day. If you're don't, don't not do that <laughs> drinking the style, we uh, are going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. Stick with us. Come fly with me. Let's float down to Peru. 
This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design. I have a philosophy. Furniture should be beautiful, but if it's not comfortable, it's not much use to anyone. That's why at Habitation, we work hard to make sure that the furniture we sell is stylish and functional. Unique and useful. What more can you ask for? Habitation Furnishing and Design 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself, but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. They call you Lady Luck But there is room for doubt At times you have a very unladylike way of running out You're Welcome on back this date to Drink in the Style Sundays at 5 p.m. on AM 950 here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and available anytime as a stream or podcast, hit am950radio.com, dubsdrinkinthestyle.com, anytime. By the way, on the Luck Be a Lady track, it's the funniest thing. I once downloaded a Napster. Remember Napster? Wow. Back in the day? Oh, boy. Wow. A Napster version of that. And for some reason, whoever loaded that added a wolf whistle, you know, the uh, Right at the end of that. And now I am conditioned in a Pavlovian sense, as soon as you get to that particular point, to want to do a wolf whistle. Isn't that, that – that's, that's the price I pay for stealing music. The psychological damage outweighs everything else. Well, at least you get slapped with a, a big, huge copywriting fee. Yeah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. good point. Good point. Although, you know, I don't know. Maybe the attorneys are still pouring over Napster lawsuits. So you, you know, you know what's funny is that, that like, you ever hear somebody actually getting uh, getting stuck with uh, the copyright fee? So a friend of mine, and I would say uh, it's probably like circa 12, 15 years ago. Okay. Um, he had, he downloaded some porn. First thing, <laughs> first thing I said, I was like, why would you why would you download porn if you can get it for free? 
Um, so then, so he's like, well, I just wanted to keep it and just kind of continue to watch the storyline. Of course, the storyline. So <laughs> he actually gets, he got served, he got served papers. Uh, he was living in his parents' basement. He got served papers uh, for like 4,500 bucks copyright infringement. He ended up w- willing it down to 1,500 bucks. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is, that is, that is shaming on so many different levels. Sorry, my segue just kind of, whoo, took off a little bit. It was, a, it was a charming anecdote, though. Thank you very much. Really? <laughs> so we're talking with Stephanie. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Stephanie Eaton from Pure Alchemy Design. <laughs> Stephanie, I hope you're enjoying your time here on Drink in the Style. Delightful, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. you remember, you get a copy of this. You can put it on your website. You can use it as marketing material if you'd like. Edit as appropriate. As appropriate. <laughs> Brett, you can take care of all that, I assume? Yeah, sorry, Dan. that's just life that's life All right, let's talk more about pure alchemy we mentioned at the top of the show you have a chemistry background and uh, and 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 you've parlayed that into the alchemy we've talked about the fact that you are capable of turning lead to gold which congratulations to you I mean well done top notch so why am I working right it's a good question (laughs) that's a really good question For listeners, if you're not familiar with alchemy, the whole point of medieval alchemy was to figure out a way to turn lead to gold to create untold riches. No one apparently having realized that if you figure that out, gold itself will become basically the worth of lead. But, you know, a thousand years of good, solid, hard chemical work and probably a good deal of lead poisoning later. (laughs) 1992, Bruce Willis, Hudson Hawk. They were mocking up in the beginning of a Michelangelo. Uh, they, they had said that Michelangelo knew how to turn lead into gold. Sorry, really, really great Bruce Willis flick from the early 90s. And a fabulous Michelangelo reference. Classing the place up. Well there done. You. There you go. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's what I do. Stephanie, tell me this. We touched on this, but I, and I think it's really interesting, so I want to keep exploring it. The similarities between chemistry and design. I know that's something that you, you, you kind of have a concept around. Tell us more about that. What do you see as those similarities? Well, really, it's kind of about the process of thought and the way that I approach my projects. Mm-hmm. Chemistry is about bringing different elements together to create a new something that hadn't been in existence prior to that. Design is similar in that way where you're bringing together new elements to create a new space, a new environment. So kind of the, 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 the component parts being brought together and understanding what the ultimate outcome, how one affects the other. No, I missed it. Sorry, I didn't get the question. <laughs> <laughs> you're understanding so within the a fact, chemical, yes. Within a chemical process, you're adding two elements, two different components, and those components will interact with one another and create a third that is is different from Unique. either of the individual Correct. parts. Unique and new in its own right. Yes. I think that's I and that's that's again why I'm so transfixed by the name and the whole background on it. What about <laughs> it made sense to me. In, in my head, <laughs> it was a freaking brilliant point. The high voice was speaking to you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Craig. I'm going to have to learn to go down. From now on, when I'm defensive, I'm going to get deeper. What do you mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm totally happy about this. No. Um, <laughs> made sense in my head. What about guiding principles? What about I, I like to ask this of, of designers because, you know, it, it's so easy to be lost in the weeds. It's so easy to be kind of carried away on one project or another and whatever you know, way the current is carrying you. Do you have guiding principles in the designs that you're creating? Very much so. Actually, my entire firm was really based on human sustainability. Mm-hmm. And that means lighting, color, ergonomics, flow, um, daylighting, and exposure to nature, things like that. Things that allow people naturally to be more productive, more creative, more healthy. Kind of, kind of creating a, a workspace that is in tune with who we are, what we want to to work in, where we are naturally at our best. Fabulous, absolutely fabulous. You have on your site a, a segment, a couple sections that are under insights, which are condo design. A couple of things you talk about color in the workplace uh, uh, as well. Do you have thoughts on that? All right, I'm actually going to ask point blank on this one. Mm-hmm. Red in the workplace, are you okay with it? Can it be used well? Or is it basically a, a recipe for drama? That's really interesting. I'm actually working on a project right now where their core brand color is red. Okay. Um, red can give energy. Mm-hmm. Red can also induce hunger. Mm-hmm. And it can make people a little bit more agitated. So the answer to that is yes, red has a place, but you need to um, introduce that in measured ways Mm -hmm. so that it's balancing the space. You're getting enough of that exposure so you've got the extra energy while you're in that office, but you're not overwhelmed by that color. It has its place. Correct. But it can't get. I remember my first daughter's bedroom when she came home, we decided to paint all the walls red. My theory being, it would be comforting as a womb-like environment. <laughs> we ran through. Um, so anyway, once she was paroled, uh, <laughs> many years later, after watching the videos with toothpicks holding her eyelids open, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, red was, rum, red rum, nothing like it. <laughs> I like the color red, but it has, but it 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 has to be managed carefully. Yeah. What about sound? You have a very particular position on sound, right, and understanding of of how to use it. Tell us about that. Yes, um, that's another one of the concepts that really guides my design. Um, Noise, along with other things like, you know, bad lighting, a lot of fluorescent lighting, it's a stressor. Fluorescent lighting needs to be outlawed, plain and simple. I agree with you. It is horrible. Every office, back when I was a corporate guy, that I would go into and uh, and would occupy, uh, because... Little known fact, I was I was kind of semi-human resources, and you generally get your own office because you're talking about things that no one else can hear about. Mm-hmm. But I would always bring in my own lighting and make sure that those fluorescent. And at one point, I remember even pulling down the the fluorescent lights because it like it's it's it sucks your soul. I mean, you go straight to hell, and I'm telling you, there's not going to be fire and brimstone. There's going to be fluorescent lighting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think fluorescent lighting should be should be just just for basements. Mm-hmm. Like the, those creepy, like large building basements, <laughs> where like you're running from your, uh, from your the person that's gonna kill you, mm-hmm. like the horror movie, mm-hmm. and then like one one thing falls it, down yeah, and, and like the flickers going and forth. Yeah, that's it, just for basements and horror movies. 
Yeah, all right. It's got its place. Like red, it's uh, red lighting apparently <laughs> has a place. Say, and then the yeah. red room at the end of the hall. <laughs> and that's where you die. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. And scene. Scene. <laughs> but back to sound. So sound. So how do you how do you manage sound within a space? There are actually numerous ways that you can work with that. Introduction of soft material is kind of where I go first, mm-hmm. because we're typically, you know reconfiguring the space as it is. So if we're bringing in new soft materials as in carpet, mm-hmm. window treatments, that sort of thing. So it's already integrated into the design. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we can add other elements. We can do a white noise machine mm-hmm. that goes throughout the space. You have to be a little careful with those. I'm always torn on the white noise concept. It I has mean, to I'd... be done well. Yeah, right? Yeah. So how do you do it well? I mean, what's the what's the secret? To me, it's it kind of just... it it, it Fills your brain with with a distraction, which it, is explain, explain to me what what type of white noise you're creating. Because I mean, I love the sound of a fan going playing "Drink in the Style" in the background. <laughs> oh God! In the red room. <laughs> Jesus, I don't understand. If it's done well, you won't even notice that it's well, on like. It. What? Give me an example. Well, it's it's a it's typically a system that's installed oh, into the okay, space. Okay. Um, the best. The best uh, results are if you've done it where it's a balanced result. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't audibly be aware of it. Mm-hmm. It should just merely dampen the sound that's around you. Mm-hmm. And if it's done equally throughout the spaces of an office, you won't notice the difference. The bad part is is when you've got it you know, cranked up in one area or in just one area and you're walking between those two spaces, mm-hmm. that's when you run into problem. Yeah, oh, because the mind is tuned to change, and if you have it inconsistent, you're going to be constantly shifting and being aware of. And the whole point of white noise is to be background. And okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm still losing things here. What's what's the point of white noise? Oh, you're asking like, I'm not understanding, the absolute like, uh, basis yeah, of like why, why would people do that? Like I love the sound of the fan going. Mm-hmm. I love I love the sound of a uh, uh, a fish tank and mm-hmm. the bubbles. Uh, that's that to me is white noise. So like the installation of like is it just soothing? Well, it's actually less audible. It's just more of a dampening effect. Okay. So it's countering the noise in a space. Right. So it kind of mutes it even more? Right. It just allows it to not, the sound to travel too far in a space. Okay. That makes it less prominent, essentially. It kind of cancels it out? Correct. So, for instance, this room. Okay. Right now that we're in, you understand the sound that is dampened noise. Okay. That's the same effect of a system like that. Got it. Not, now I get it. I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, so you're I'll, saying, so it's kind of, so because there are two ways you could look at it. It's the elimination of silence, and silence makes people uncomfortable. In large part because I think it's, as human beings, this is a theory. You can tell me if I'm wrong. You have a chemistry degree, and I'm sure you're much smarter than I am on many levels. But silence keeps people in a state of hypervigilance, constantly where's where what's happening. I, I'm scanning. The brain is constantly scanning for some kind of disruption, and that is Counter, you know, ironically, proper use of the word ironic, ironic being the opposite of what you expect. Thanks, Lamis Morissette. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a myth, by the way. There were a couple things that were actually were ironic in that song, but the majority weren't. But you, you can't focus because you're vigilantly, constantly aware of the absence of noise and therefore frightened. Do you think that's the case? It's a stressor. Absolutely. I agree with you. Excellent. I win. All right. And the voice went up. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Stephanie Eaton about how design impacts lives. Stay with us. The girl from Ipanema goes walking and when she passes each one. 
This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, on the radio program, I often say that life is the big stuff, but living is in the details. The furniture in your home may be details, but that's where you do the living. So why not speak to one of Habitation's design professionals about making your space the best it can be? Habitation, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself, but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top, back on top in June I Welcome back to Drink in the Style, brought to you by AM950. We are speaking this evening with Stephanie Eaton. Stephanie, you have been a fabulous sport. <laughs> really. I, I, You're making my Friday, actually. It's great. Really? Oh, yep. that's awesome. We're pre-recorded on Friday. We normally on Tuesdays. For those folks who, uh, who are fans of the show, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, you can go to the AM950 Facebook page and actually watch the recording of the show on Tuesdays normally from 1 till 2.30. This time, however, we're doing it on Friday, and I think we're learning a valuable lesson about what can happen. And when we blend this too close to the weekend. We bang on the drums all day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work. It's absolutely true. And, and for, for, for a fact, actually, I don't know what you're doing tonight. I don't know what you're doing tonight. But we're hosting a 70s-themed disco party in the library lounge tonight. You're kidding, really? Not joking. I don't joke about shit like that. Disco <laughs> Stew will be there. It's DJing his butt off. <laughs> I love disco. Mm. I absolutely love disco. It's funny. I, I would play disco, in fact, for a while— the music that we'd play in the showroom on Fridays, it was Disco Friday. But then, of all people, Carl, who uh, who is gay and uh, is supposed to love disco, made me stop because he doesn't like disco. Well, it's probably because he was born post-disco era. 
I suppose, but I was born pro post Sinatra era for the most part, and all the music we're playing is Sinatra, and I worship Frank Sinatra. Yeah, well, that's life, Greg. That is life. That's what all the people say, my friend. Stephanie, how can people learn more about Pure Alchemy Design? I think going to my website would be the easiest way, and that's uh, purealchemydesign.com. Excellent. And it is worth checking out because it, it's got your projects, some fabulous projects. Seriously, I, I really i am I'm very much impressed by the work that you've done. It's you've, you've got some great stuff on there. And I also love the information that's on there. It's not just a quick visual. You've got some depth to it. So purealchemydesign.com. That's it. You should get it as an EDU too, just for fun. Can you get an EDU if you just want an EDU or do you have to actually be an EDU? I think you have to be an EDU. Really? I mean, you you want to put PhD after your name? Probably not. <laughs> it's a fair point. No. There should be certain rules. No. There should be certain rules. All right, Newkirk, <laughs> drive some business into Mercy. What do you got going on? Uh, so tonight we – not tonight. So when you hear this, we'll be already uh, it's over. Reco- recovering from our hangover from the disco party tonight. If you have the power to go back in time, you want to do disco. Correct. But if not – what can we do? If not, uh, we just released a new menu. Uh, new fall menus kicked in. We'll be slowly changing over month to month. Um, again, we're just kind of ramping up for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, we will be hosting the Boob Luge, all donated products. Yes, I said Boob Luge. We'll have details on this. It's not what it sounds It actually is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. But it Ra- Raising is awareness. Raising awareness, and it's a fundraiser for a little, breast cancer. It's a little cheeky awareness. It is. Yeah. It is. Humor. When's Boob Luge coming up? Uh, October 2nd. October 2nd. That's right around the corner. Yeah. I know. Seriously. All right. So there it is. There's a couple of shameless plugs. And, of course, you can also visit Habitation Furnishing and Design located at 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in uh, St. Louis Park. (laughs) Call ahead if you want to see if Greg's there or not. (laughs) I'm a busy man, Newkirk. I'm a busy man. Let's talk about Design Impacts Lives, the American Society of Interior Design's concept and guiding principle for uh, 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 how we do what we do overall. And I think, Stephanie, you are a great person to talk about this uh, with because being focused on commercial interiors, we're Americans. Americans spend more time at work than any other Westerner uh, in the world. Our lives are dictated by our workspaces in a lot of different ways. So tell me how you kind of embrace that concept in what you do. Well, quite honestly, the the very crux of Pure Alchemy Design is about impacting the individuals that are in that space. It is about bringing the brand to life in that space, but it's really um, becoming the caretaker of the individuals that work in that space, their health, their well-being, um, their productivity, and their creativity. Which makes absolute sense. What about movement in in the workspace? That is something that people have become aware of overall. Have you – do you consider how to get people up and moving around when you're laying out a space? Well, very much so, actually. It's just kind of creating a new balance. You you've know that that complete open office space is kind of – not the best environment, and neither is the cubicle land. Um, finding a balance in the in the types of spaces that you create for people is where you create movement naturally. Mm-hmm. You've got collaborative zones. You've got open desking. You've got quiet spaces for people to meet in small groups or have a personal phone call. 
that sort of thing that naturally gets people moving. But right in line with that is also ergonomics. So the type of seating that you provide your employees with and that, you know, the very popular now sit-to-stand desk mm-hmm. where they can, you know, choose the, the height that they're working at, standing, maybe sitting in a taller chair for a while, lower chair, just getting your body into different positions throughout the day is the best. Which is, yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I actually, I like the concept of sit-stand, the adjustable desk. I do not like the continuous standing desk and the concept. And that was a movement for a good deal of time and everybody was all about it. But I would always say, you know, if you really want to find out how great it is to stand at work all day, just ask a target cashier how happy they are. It's not about just standing consistently. It's not about stability. It's not about being stuck in one position. It's about being able to move from one to another. I completely agree. And when I'm specifying the sit-to-stand desk for my clients, mm-hmm. I'm always sourcing an adjustable chair so they can sit at high at height too as well. Not going to lie, this is the longest I sit for one period of time whenever mm-hmm. we do the show. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm a mover and a shaker. Yeah, I do. I, I sit. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sit at my desk for hours and hours on end, I admit, working in front of the computer. But I do work in an environment where you get up, you walk out, you do a, a cruise around the showroom, you interact with people. It makes a huge difference in your body. It's kind of funny. I have a <laughs> side, <laughs> sidebar. Um, <laughs> like four or five years ago, uh, Back at the birth of Kickstarter, everybody remembers Kickstarter. Is there still Kickstarter? Yeah. Yeah, no, but people have wisened up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I supported a Kickstarter for a product called the Lean Chair, which was really kind of, or is it the Lean Desk? Could have been Lean Chair or Lean Desk, I don't remember. And the concept was that it was a workspace. It had a, a swinging desk that you'd go in and out, but you would stand and then lean at like a, a, a probably a 30-degree angle. And then you could pull the space. So you're taking all the weight off your your back and your heels, and yet you were still in the largely upright position and were able to move around a little bit more. And here's the thing. So I supported this thing four years, five years ago. Were, were they by chance based out of Houston? Possibly, actually. I'll explain why I keep going. Keep Uh-oh. Going. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, they seem like very – I mean, it's a great concept and things. And this was the problem with Kickstarter is that people who, who started Kickstarters didn't – don't necessarily know what's involved. I mean, I've imported products. I've developed products. The Mindful Baby Round Crib was actually mine. Um, But to actually put things into production is usually much, much harder than people realized. So they were not able to produce the lean chair, even though it was a successful Kickstarter. But much to their credit, very much to their credit, Within the past few months, I got an email, and I had just written off. It was like a $400 Kickstarter support, and you got a free lean chair or something. I got a box from the lean chair company. They are finally going into production of hardware saying your lean chair will be delivered shortly. They finally got it up and into production. How long has it been? Four years. Oh, wow. Four years. So lean, very common in uh, started in the Houston market. That's a scissorb where you drink codeine and Sprite. <laughs> so right away, I'm just thinking, were they drinking lean when they couldn't figure out how to do lean? Like, yeah, that was my Houston nice job part. going from ergonomic well-being to the use of illicit drugs. That's why you're quality, Dan. That's, that's what I bring to the table. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> and you do it well. We're happy to have you. All right, and that ends our show. No, just kidding. We're going to keep going a little bit. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on the on the lean chair concept? I guess I'd like to see what it really looks like and, and to 
understand what people feel like when they've used it. Right. I'm, I'm really, really curious. I'll let you know when it comes in because apparently the, the, the thing is being shipped. It's going to arrive. And, you know, I envisioned at one point if we're doing a commercial space, uh, you know, having maybe a line of, of them, you know, that you can come in. You can put your laptop down, swing it around, do a little bit of work, grab your laptop, move to a different space. It's, it's And lean? And lean. It sounds stupid. <laughs> all, all you're doing is transferring energy to what your shoulder blades that's going to be good for the old aging body Dan I was working on getting a new show sponsor yeah well we're going to take one we're going to take one ailment and make it another no GFY man GFY <laughs> oh lord help us all alright so there's so there it is design does impact lives on many many levels um, we've also covered your sustainability or we've talked a little bit about your focus on sustainability when you approach a project Stephanie and, and you have sustainability as a mantra as a concept how do you determine what is a sustainable supplier what are, are the hallmarks of, of a responsible manufacturer I talk with my vendors specifically and I also work to uh, work source locally because they tend to have the, the greenest, most local available products. Um, also, in, in regard to sustainability in general in a space, it's about repurposing the unique character of a building so that it's creating something new for that client, but then also not um, being wasteful in demo, demo and construction costs. That makes sense. I mean, that's yeah. You're actually, I, that, that's great. I'm glad you went off on the demo uh, uh, aspect of it because people don't think much about that. It just pull it out and, and away it goes. But that's something that you factor in. That's something that you're considering when you're selecting people with whom to work. How they're going to take care of those issues. Very much so. Yeah. What about the Sustainable Furnishing Council? Are you uh, involved with them at all? I do source through them. Okay. They have a great list available of vendors, so that is a very good resource. It is. Um, and again, it's it's a bunch of, of companies coming together for folks out there who may not know who are agreeing that they're going to work with suppliers, with the supply chain, I should say, that is focused on and aware of the importance of sustainability in, in development. So that's awesome. So Pure Alchemy is not just about chemical chemistry and, and, and turning lead to gold. It is about sustainable development and bringing pieces together that are going to, to – be both beautiful, functional, and responsible, right? Exactly. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have drunk our way through yet another episode. On behalf of Habitation Furnishing and Design and Stephanie Eaton from Pure Alchemy Design uh, and the American Society of Interior Designers, I'd like to wish everybody good luck this coming week and to quote Henry Kissinger, leaders must invoke an alchemy of great vision. Good night, everybody. La 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 la